Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Total Bust? Why Mixer's clothing rules may be better than the alternative. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to once again grapple with the concept of rules and guidelines. Now, if you followed Virtual Legality at all in the past, you know that one of the things I have spoken about a lot is what I call the tyranny of guidelines. We talked about this in respect of Sony and their new policies on what content is acceptable in their PlayStation ecosystem and in other places. And the basic precept is this. When you have guidelines, when you have ambiguous statements in your terms and conditions, in your contracts, as you describe what people can put on your console or service, then that gives the company that is otherwise the author of those guidelines a great deal of power over its contract partner. And that's something that, in general, you're going to be on the other side of as long as you're not the big multinational corporation. And so when people advocate for guidelines, I at least like to have the conversation with them that says, yes, while it's good, it's it's understandable why you might want to kick the can down the road to have a conversation about whatever it is that you want to talk about. It's not actually good for you if you're trying to avoid arbitrary and capricious enforcement by whoever's on the other side of the question which is my introduction for today's topic, which is about Mixer's newfound fame now that it has a ninja on board. And so let's talk about that right now. So I've pulled up now an article from IGN that says, Mixer, Ninja's new streaming platform criticized for seemingly strict clothing guidelines. Before we dive into this proper, I want to say that one of the issues that people are having with these Mixer They've, they're described here as guidelines, is that they are in fact rules. And we're not so used to having rules govern our actions or, or whatever else we're doing on these social media sites, whether that's Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Instagram or Mixer or Twitch. We're more used to the ambiguous phrasing that we've discussed so often in virtual legality that when Ninja moved over to Mixer, which is owned by Microsoft, which likes to have rules in place, and we have had a video that talks a little bit about what they've put in place vis-a-vis uh, -vis the types of things you can put on their Xbox Live community groups, uh, that Microsoft likes to have a little bit more detail around what it's talking about. And that is indeed the case uh, with Mixer. So reading from this article... Mixer, the streaming platform that recently managed to sign on Ninja to stream exclusively on their service over Twitch, is being criticized for what some call strict and likely sexist clothing guidelines. Mixer's official clothing guidelines state that there are some limits to what streamers can wear on camera. Our rules on clothing attempt to allow for expression while still keeping things safe for the wide variety of audience members that make use of our site. The clothing guide itself is split into three sections— family-friendly stream, teen stream, and 18-plus stream. And because we like to do this in virtual legality, we're going to actually look at the rules and not just the summaries uh, that are put forth in this IGN article. But I did want to point out, 
One of the things that this IGN article does, and it'll be linked in the description, is it pulls down a lot of Twitter commentary about complaints uh, about these particular sets of rules. For instance, we've got a complaint here that says, by Mixer's standards, the meet and greets at Disney for Ariel, Moana, and Jasmine are 18 plus, uh, which is a fair cop. Uh, and in fact, sometimes when you're at those meet and greets, they do look like they maybe should be 18 plus. That notwithstanding, uh, these comments are from a number of people that had problems with the rules. And before we get into it, I want to say I don't have one little bit of an issue with people that want to complain about what the rules actually say. That rules are being imposed upon them, and that is it's in and of itself a problem, is where I want to have the conversation, because I did see on my Twitter feed, on my social media, that there were a number of folks that were just kind of rejecting the whole notion of specific rules in their entirety in favor of what some other people are doing. And we're going to take a look as part of this video uh, as to what Twitch is doing with their rules, in case you haven't looked at their terms and conditions, because it's a markedly different approach to describing uh, this issue and what they want to control on their service. But I do recommend you take a look. There's a lot of people complaining about the rules, and there's a lot of people complaining about the fact that the rules seem aimed at women, even though Mixer is very careful about not using any kind of gender-based or sexualized statements about who their rules should apply to, a number only apply really to the ladies, or as Game Industry Biz says in the article that I've just pulled up, Mixer criticized for breast-focused streamer clothing guidelines with a subtitle of Twitch partner says rules deem female body inherently inappropriate and Microsoft will evaluate if changes are needed. Mixer's guidelines for what streamers may and may not wear have come under scrutiny, particularly with how the site allows female hosts to dress. And then they go on to describe what we just looked at in IGN's article, but which will never be as good as looking at the primary source material. So let's take a look at what Mixer actually says about what they require of their streamers in terms of dress. As we just heard on IGN's, they say there are some limits to what streamers can wear on camera. Okay, that's a guideline. That doesn't say anything. There are some limits. Our rules on clothing, rules, attempt to allow for expression while still keeping things safe for the wide variety of audience members that make use of our site. These rules only apply to what is visible on camera, which is a nice disclaimer there. You know, you can wear whatever you want if it's not on camera, so that's not a problem. If you stand up or shift around during a stream, however, anything that suddenly becomes visible on camera must also follow these guidelines. In other words, if you're broadcasting it through Microsoft's service, you have to follow their rules. As always with our rules, they apply to everyone equally, regardless of gender identity or body type which is absolutely true. They don't use any kind of gender-based terminology here, and they, in fact, define a number of body areas, shoulders, breastbone, bust, bust line, ribs, waist, and hips, and they put a specifically prohibited list. No nudity. You can't be shirtless. You can't have open shirts with robes without clothing underneath. You can't have underwear. You can't have transparent clothing without anything underneath. You can't focus your camera below your waist. You can't have towels wrapped around your body, and the breastbone cannot be visible. So... That all makes sense. Those are all prohibited. That's easy to follow. If I'm not doing one of these things, then they can't otherwise ding me for something that's on the prohibited list. Similarly, you get to family-friendly stream. Clothing must cover the entire visible body from a few inches above the bus line. It cannot be strapless and should show little to no cleavage. Okay. The teen stream. Clothing can reveal more than a hint of cleavage, but still cover the entire visible body. Cannot be strapless. So... 
just stepping back for a second because I am about to advocate for, in general, the concept of rules more than the specificity of what these rules actually say. The lawyer in me looks at this and says, well, okay, so you've already got a specific issue, which is your family-friendly stream says clothing must cover the entire visible body from a few inches above the bust line, meaning one would presume that your clothing can stop above the bust line and you can show your face because otherwise your head is a part of your body. But when we look at the teen stream definition, clothing can reveal more than a hint of cleavage, but still covers the entire visible body. And they don't make the distinction about uh, from a few inches above the bust line because they are setting a different space for this. So as a lawyer, I look at this and say, okay, um, I really appreciate you trying to put specific rules for me to follow if I want to stream on Mixer. Uh, But now I'm unclear if I want to have a teen stream. I'm allowed to have a hint of cleavage, but my clothing has to cover my entire visible body. Is that hands? Is that head? Is that face? Is that neck? Presumably not. Presumably you're supposed to read it as essentially a sliding scale upward to more and more skin being allowed to be shown. Uh, But that's not how this reads. And so uh, a lawyer and a pedant would look at this and say, hey, that's a problem. In the teen stream, you can't have strapless clothes either. If you're going to have an 18 plus stream, you can have your chest must be covered from the bust line to the end of the rib cage. No under cleavage in quotes. Clothing that shows a midriff, such as crop tops, are allowed. And strapless tops are only allowed if the actual top can be seen clearly on camera. No one should have to guess if the streamer is wearing clothing. Presumably that also means that Mixer shouldn't have to guess because it doesn't want to have to deal with reports of otherwise questionable activities. Then they say situational appropriate clothing is allowed. Swimwear that is considered acceptable at a family beach is acceptable when at a beach pool or participating in a sporting event. And when at a gym, sports bras are allowed to be worn as clothing and as long as the breastbone is covered. That's all the rules. That's everything that they've put forth. And that has what has garnered all of these complaints, primarily because Ninja moved over, right? That report that we talked about in Virtual Legality last week, where Ninja became an exclusive streamer for Mixer, essentially had the entire world of streaming wound up looking at what the Mixer terms and conditions are and looking at these rules and finding them uh, unacceptable on one hand, but also just very different from the way that Twitch handles these things. So let's take a look at what Twitch actually says, which uh, until now and probably still for a time uh, is been the leading streaming uh, group and is owned by Amazon. Uh, they have, instead of just a clothing requirement, they actually have a set of terms here that is uh, directed at nudity, pornography, and other sexual content. And as we scroll down here, they actually say for nudity and attire, The following, streaming is a public activity. Therefore, we recommend creators wear attire that is appropriate public attire for a given context, intent, or activity. So other than the fact that they repeated the word attire within five words, which, you know, is just a language thing, what you wind up having here is just a broad guideline. And not only is it a guideline, it's only a recommendation. If you really parse this out from a grammatical standpoint, what they're actually saying is, We recommend that you wear attire that is appropriate public attire, but we're not telling you to do so. Continuing with this provision, for game streams, most at-home streams and profile channel imagery, we recommend attire appropriate for public settings, such as what you would wear on a public street or to a mall or restaurant. But again, what's appropriate to you might not be appropriate to me, and what's appropriate in Los Angeles might not be appropriate in Peoria. 
So you've got this continuing issue with guidelines. And as we've talked about in virtual legality, that means if you wind up getting into a fight with Twitch about what's appropriate or not, you're going to lose because they get to determine what's appropriate. They get to enforce their provisions versus as puritanical and as ridiculous as some might find the mixer rules that we just read. It's pretty clear where your bust line is, and it's pretty clear where your rib cage is. And all of these things that Mixer has put out there are essentially designed to have you be able to know quantifiably what you are allowed and not allowed to do, which isn't to say that I have any problem, as I said earlier in this video, with anybody saying those rules are stupid. Those rules are ridiculous, and I don't like them. By all means, Contest the rules. Complain about the rules. Tell Mixer you're unhappy with the rules. But where I draw the line on this is with respect to those folks that say that this approach, the one that Twitch has taken, is a superior approach, that guidelines are better able to deal with multifaceted uh, streamers and, and multifaceted engagements into the future as to what streaming might look like in the year 2025 and elsewhere. That might well be, but if you... Uh, understand how these contracts work and where the leverage is between the parties involved in these contracts. The truth of the matter is, while it might be more beneficial for Twitch to be allowed to enforce these rules in a future that is uncertain and that it cannot project, it is much, much worse for the people that aren't drafting these documents that have their livelihood based on ambiguous guidelines and having to deal with a corporation in Amazon that doesn't care about any one specific streamer. And so when we look at these issues, I would just ask everybody that has listened to virtual legality, that has watched virtual legality, if you go out onto your forums and your social media posts, to, to just consider the fact that rules are, in fact, better than guidelines for the little guy, for the guy that isn't drafting these, these documents. And then just going further with what Twitch has to say here, you actually see a mirror image to what we saw at the very end of the Mixer rules, which is they say, for example, for a fitness stream, or an in-real-life stream from a location such as a public beach, attire appropriate to those public contexts is recommended, such as workout clothes or a swimsuit, respectively. Okay, that matches what Mixer said, which is said, hey, you can wear swimwear at a pool, and you can wear gym clothes at the gym. But as noted in the section above, reading from the Twitch terms again, attire is just one factor of many that we consider when evaluating reports for potential sexual conduct. And again, unlike Mixer, which just said, hey, here, here are the rules that we're requiring with respect to clothing, just like you might see in specific academies across the United States or elsewhere, that here are the specific rules, whether you like them or not. You have to have uh, your uh, arms uh, in a specific way. You have to have your sweaters in a specific way. And yes, unfortunately, the way they are drafted and clearly what they are concerned about falls more on the female end of the spectrum than the male end of the spectrum. I don't know that they could write it differently to achieve a different end result there. And I think if you are a, a female streamer, then you are uh, well within your rights to complain that that is too, uh, too restrictive of what you want to do and what you want to stream with as your attire. And I, I don't blame you. And if you want to stick with Twitch instead of going to Mixer uh, because of that, I don't blame you for that either. But I would say that in terms of just the legalities of the situation, guidelines are more potentially problematic for exactly this reason. Attire is just one factor of many in respect of sexuality, which Mixer doesn't even talk about. They don't talk about sexuality with respect to their clothing rules. Uh, Twitch actually does talk about that. And they say it's just one factor of many, which means if you wind up 
losing your livelihood on Twitch because they have determined that whatever you're wearing is quote unquote inappropriate, despite the fact that they only recommended appropriateness, they're essentially reserving the right to take away that livelihood, to suspend your account, to otherwise extract a pound of flesh based solely on the fact that they don't view whatever it is that you're doing something that they want to advocate. Now, don't get me wrong. Microsoft could do exactly the same thing. There is space in their guidelines. We already talked about the fact that their teen stream one appears to be written incorrectly. They don't actually talk about what covering means. Does it mean every inch of the body? You know, what about arms? What what about uh, gloves? What about the neck? All these other things that kind of pop up with respect to the actual rules You can absolutely complain about them, whether you're a lawyer or a streamer or otherwise, but the nature of rules, actually having something that you can comply with and know that if Mixer and Microsoft try to do something against you that isn't quantified in those rules, that you're going to have a better chance of success in fighting it, whether that's just using their normal arbitration procedure or whatever their dispute resolution mechanism is, or even potentially taking them to court, although unless you're making a lot of money on it, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that avenue, that you're going to have a better chance of of fighting that, of having the discussion with Microsoft and Mixer if you've got these bulleted points and you say, Mixer, show me where I violated your policies. And if they can't, that's potentially a problem for them. Versus Twitch, you say, show me where I violated your policies, Twitch, and they say, we thought it was inappropriate. And and what do you say to that? What do you say to that? There's nothing to say to that. And that's really a brief virtual legality for today. I just wanted to talk about it because it was popping up in my social media and elsewhere. And it does go back to some of the topics that we've discussed in virtual legality. We have seen so many sets of terms and conditions where I have talked about ambiguity, whether that's FaceApp, whether that's Sony's guidelines, whether that's the licensing agreement that you enter into to buy something from Microsoft or Kickstarter or the Sony store. Guidelines are always, always accruing to the benefit of the drafter of the contract and the terms and conditions at the expense of the other party, which is signing what we've talked about in virtual legality, which is a contract of adhesion. These aren't negotiated documents. You are essentially agreeing to whatever they say you're agreeing to in order to stream on their service or otherwise use their service in respect to those other things we were just talking about. And that is always going to be a position where you don't have leverage and where you should be looking for quantifiable things to comply with because in the absence of those, you give a great deal of power to your other negotiating party. That's been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this, please like, please subscribe, please share it with anybody that you might think would find it interesting. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. If you listen to it on a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the next episode of Virtual Legality.